is episode three. Hi everyone, how you doing? Uh, it's George Jamal here and I'm your host for Chinese Chippy Girl. Now, before I begin, I just wanted to let you know that my better half, Ewan Smith, has done my music and my jingles for me and he's basically been helping me put my podcast together uh, on Ableton and a little bit on GarageBand and a little bit on Audacity. We're just trying quite a few things. So massive shout out to Ewan for helping me with all the uh, production side of things. Um, you're my favourite non-Asian. And to everyone that's messaged me about my podcast, thank you so much because your feedback means so much to me. And every time I go into Instagram and I get a notification and people have shared my podcast to their friends and family, honestly, it means so much to me. And it really motivates me to keep plowing ahead with this. And yeah, especially to my mum as well, who's listened to the first two shows I did that thing where I asked her for some, <laughs> I asked her for some honest feedback and actually hold on a second. I'm just going to get my phone and I can, I can let you hear what she said. Okay, la, for you, uh, but go la, le, every, uh, every time to go on fish and ship, so, so, you, you go, you hold, I love, la, hold on, they hold, hold boring, no, uh, le, you go on the deep, sun, yeah, yeah. 俾人哋聽咯,搞笑啊,俾人哋開心下咁樣,或者會好啲咯,唔好every time so obviously it's all in Cantonese, but basically what she's saying is um, that I should change my content, stop talking about my Chinese chippy days, uh, because the content might be quite boring because I've already banged on about it before. So what does everyone else think? Do you think my mum's made the point? Do you think the content's quite boring? You know, what about my non-Asian listeners out there? Is it still relatable? Have I spoke about it a bit too much should I just be changing everything I mean what do you think um let me know what your feedback is because I really want to hear from you you can find me on Chinese Chippy Girl on Instagram and you can send me a message there or you could drop me an email which is Chinese Chippy Girl at gmail.com let me know what you want to hear um, the other thing is as well, I don't actually set a date for when I release these podcasts, um, mainly because I, I work full time and I'm a full time mum as well. So time is just quite limited for me, but I really do enjoy doing these Chinese Chippy Girl podcasts. To be honest with you, it's just my passion. I really enjoy it. I think it's really important to connect with other BBCs and British Asians. So it's something which I'm really passionate about doing. It's just timing really that I don't really have as much. But if you subscribe to Chinese Chippy Girl on whatever podcast that you're listening to this on, it just means whenever I release a new episode, then you'll get a notification to let you know when a new episode is out. So I have a little treat for you all. My next guest is my name twin, Georgie Learn. Yay! Um, otherwise known as Chopstick and Poke. Uh, he does these really gorgeous, amazing illustrations that really brings out our Chinese culture. Everything she draws, I can 100% guarantee that a British Asian can relate to. She even created my Chinese Chippy Girl illustration, which you can see in this pod. She's super talented 
In this episode, we talk about racism, our chippy days. <laughs> Sorry, mum. But yeah, we talk about our chippy days. Um, our siblings are also doctors. Uh, so we talk about that too. And also our love for Ken Hom because he is just an angel. I had so much fun recording this pod with Georgie and I hope you all enjoy it. But actually, it's one thing. I just wanted to let you know that we do say the Chinese C word. I know it's not an actual swear word, but I wanted to give you all a bit of a warning as I know a lot of Chinese people find it quite uncomfortable to hear. So I thought I'd give you a little bit of warning there. Anyway, enough about this long introduction. I really need to learn how to cut it short. Anyway, maybe next time. <laughs> um, but yes, I'll just take it away. Cool. So... Georgie, thank you so Hi. much. Hiya, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, I don't want to sound like I've got a girl crush on you, but I've got a girl crush on you. <laughs> because so I've, I've, um, I came across you quite recently and I remember looking oh. at your page and they, um, like you can see all the like, really cute illustrations and stuff. Yeah. No, I feel like it's weird because I think I never really tap, like using my personal Instagram, obviously, we can talk about my other one, but using my personal Instagram, I never really felt like I find that realm of like people. But mm-hmm. since I met you or like I met, I've, I've met quite a lot of other people through Instagram, like doing what I do, but also just actively like looking for them. Mm-hmm. And like, I think a lot of them, you're like, like you, we kind of instantly recognize this, this, it's a very unique experience. I think being like a British born Asian in general or like absolutely having that kind of third culture in you where you're like a mix of two I think it's quite unique so when you see one you like you spot it from afar you're like oh yeah there she is definitely <laughs> yeah yeah I think that's what happened with like a lot of us um because there's that also that Asian British story person as well that I keep following but yeah I, I think I think it's amazing girl crushes girl crushes like oh don't flatter me <laughs> Like, I think it's just amazing because we're both called Georgie and I've never met another Chinese Georgie. I've never met life. Chinese Georgie as well. That's what yeah. I think when I first messaged you, I was like, oh my gosh, what's your surname? You're like, uh, Georgie Lerner. Like, oh, I'm Georgie Ma, G-Len, yeah. G-Ma. And then, Depe- and, then you were like, and then you were like, oh, um, oh, where did you grow up? And then we were like, oh, where did, where did we study? And we were both like, oh, we went to Edinburgh. And like, I do, I do always wonder like, oh, maybe we crossed paths. Maybe we didn't, who knows? But, yeah. <laughs> no, I think I'm a good 10 years older than you, but, <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> so, um, so do you want to just kind of, just for the listeners, do you want to introduce yeah. yourself a bit and tell yeah. us, you know, where you're, f- you know, that, that question, but where are you from? No, no, no. Where are you really from? <laughs> yeah. Where are you from? But where are you really from? Are you sure your parents are from there? Are you sure you're from there? Anyway, yeah. So I'm I'm a Northern Irish born um, to immigrant parents from Hong Kong. So they kind of moved over when um, my mom was 16 and my dad was like in his 20s mm-hmm. um, separately. And then they kind of find each other through, you know, like really tight kind of Chinese communities. Um, and then they have me and my sister. Um, it's... You know, I think I'll I'll delve into a little bit more about the sort of my childhood and my upbringing. But um, yeah, I basically grew up in Northern Ireland and every year I would go to Hong Kong because my mom would make damn sure that like she saved up all of her pennies so that I could see like my grandparents and my extended family and stuff in Hong Kong, which I'm really grateful for. But like um, it just meant that it was kind of 
a lot of my holidays you know like other like people in Britain would be like oh going off to like Spain or like going to their like summer home or caravan holidays and stuff and mine was always like in Hong Kong um but yeah that so I, I grew up in in Northern Ireland my parents um when they married they started their own takeaway mm-hmm. which we can classic takeaway <laughs> situation called um they had two actually one was called Danny's Hot Food Bar um, <laughs> and then like the second one was called Silver City equally lol um and yeah I just I, I worked throughout the, like my childhood I worked with them and then, how old were you when you started working at Chippy so like my mum says I, I mean obviously I don't recall it but my mum said that she after about like a couple of weeks after having me, she strapped me onto her back yeah. and then went back onto the walks again. Yeah. And she was then was like rocking me to sleep while she was kind of frying rice and stuff. Um, but as far as I can remember, I was probably like about four by the time I like really, you know, took it in. But yeah, I pretty much worked there since I was a kid and same with my sister. And it's such a young age, isn't it? People would be like, oh my God, that's like child labor. But I think back then people just, my parents couldn't afford um, childcare. They didn't have the privilege of having childcare, like being able to pay someone else. And they wouldn't, they almost wouldn't, you know, they're like, oh, it's my kid. I need to keep them safe with me, like close to me. Um, And also they couldn't afford to hire like workers either to work in the Chinese so they're like well we've got two children and we've got a lot of work to do so let's make them work um but yeah that that's just crazy um what's the yeah, age gap between you and your sister me and my sister are four years okay. apart um so it's I think it's big enough actually like but bless her she was so young um and because my parents were so busy, she actually did, like, as a five-year-old kid, have to look after a one-year-old. And oh, bless her. Yeah, right? That's so <laughs> sweet. It's just mad. Like, she probably still talks about it, like, if given the opportunity. She's like, I had to look after you when you were, like, a baby. And I was only five. I didn't know what was going on. And, yeah, it's it's crazy. It's, like, such a weird, weird situation. What about you? Like, you, I'm guessing you obviously have chatted a bit about your kind of yeah so I think we had similar backgrounds so my um my mum and dad came to the UK when they were teenagers similar age to your mum and dad um so they stopped off in Liverpool did your mum and dad come to Liverpool first no no they went straight to Northern Ireland oh did they okay yeah they had I think they had like extended they had like an aunt or something that had already done the move Ah, okay. Joining them to work. Ah, sure. Okay. So uh, my mum and dad came to Liverpool and uh, my, my, uh, Agong, so my mum's side, my mum's dad, he had a Chinese restaurant, a classic, and uh, called the New Hong Kong. Again, classic. Yeah, I know. Yes, very very authentic. Mm -hmm. And uh, my mum was a waitress and my dad was a chef. And Mm. that's how they met. And they, yes, so they, yeah, yeah, they met my my girlfriend. Yeah, so that's really good. And then they'd, they bought uh, a chip shop in Macclesfield in 1975. And I know that because my sister was born in 1975. <laughs> so they stayed there. And then there's a little bit of an age gap between 
me and my sister, I think that's like six and a half years, but oh, okay. kind of like your sister as well. Um, when, well, similar to your story, when my mum and dad, when they had their shop, they couldn't really afford workers neither. Yeah. So we had uh, a Chinese fish and chip shop as well. Was yours a fish and chips or was it just a takeaway? Well, no, we did like Chinese, but obviously in order to make it a bit more palatable, it definitely <laughs> had, you know, we had like sausage suppers. We had like, yeah, like um, battered fish, like suppers and like, yeah, just burgers and things. It had to be like that. Yeah. Think, to survive. So... So ours was really similar. Chinese uh, is takeaway and then also uh, like fish and chips with pies and sausage yeah. and stuff. So so my mum would work at the at the front. So she'll be serving all the customers. Yeah. And similar to your mum, she strapped her, she strapped each one of us round her front or the back, and then you know, yeah, then she just like yeah, just work away shoving a bottle in our mouths and stuff and it's just it's just the way how they rolled back then and my dad would be at the back so he'd be you know he'd be the one doing all the Chinese cooking whereas my mum would be outside doing all the fish and chips and I guess when because there was a bit of an age gap between my sister and I my sister she looked after she kind of looked after me um but she had really rough though because she'd been working so I I remember working at the chippy when I was 10 years old like physically working there serving chips getting the money you know bao shizhe you know like wrapping the chips and everything uh deep down yeah yeah. yeah, everything and even just the weird things so like back then you know because there's no delivery or anything like that so if anyone wanted to place an order I'd have to pick up the phone. And so yeah. I, I remember picking up the phone. So my mum and dad's takeaway is called uh, John's Supper Bar. So I'd pick Thank up the you. phone. I'd pick up the phone and say, hello, John's Supper Bar. But <laughs> for me, it was just so normal. But for the customer, they're like, uh, hello, hello, is your mum and dad there? I'm like, yeah, but they're busy just now. Have you come to place an order? Because from their point of view, they're probably like, you sound like a, a young child. Why, yeah. why are you picking up the phone? I'm like, well, you know, just here to take your order what do you yeah. want so I'm yeah. just like writing it all down um but I yeah. think my sister so she had it quite I think she had it much more tougher because she was older and I think back then the chip shop was a little bit more busier as well so she literally worked a lot more than I did um and also she had to look after us as well yeah so, I think my sister too like um because my sister was the older one and her English was good and like her mental maths was good. So like she was always at the front, like dealing with customers and, and taking orders. So she was kind of getting the brunt of that whilst I was in the back, always kind of like chopping up mushrooms and like cracking eggs and whisking eggs. and Oh really? Yeah. yeah. I was more in like the back end, but I think it was because I just wasn't very like, I think I, I was too rubbish at maths to be honest. I'm so crap at maths as well. I'm like not that typical, that model minority myth, you know, where yeah. all Chinese, but all Chinese kids are really good at maths and really yeah. studious. Like, I'm like, I'm just no. like, that's not me at all. <laughs> yeah, we're just like, nah, no, that's not me. So yeah, it's just so weird. It's such a, a weird like setup. Although having said that, I think obviously now that we're older, I think we there was a lot to take from it. Like mm. I have like quite a strong work ethic, maybe too strong sometimes because it's like detrimental, but also, yeah, just like basic kitchen skills. 
cooking and like enjoying food and actually like really appreciating food and yeah like family time and stuff I think all of that comes from the fact that we were like working as children yeah. with our family absolutely and I think because I've seen how much my mum and dad struggled mm-hmm. they they worked every single day they had a they had Tuesday nights off Classic Tuesday because Tuesday because Tuesday is a Saturday in the Chinese community, yeah. and we'd have a Sunday day off as well because on Sundays we'd go out for dim sum and they would oh, go to the funny. Chinese supermarket just to you know buy supplies for the Chinese yeah. for the takeaway, mm-hmm. and so yeah. But I remember just thinking they worked they worked their socks off and for very little return, and yeah. and I think. And I think, and I just remember, I've said it in my previous podcast, so I won't dwell into it, you know, too much, but there was so much racism and the amount of crap that they had to put up with, you know, having this takeaway, um, having all the rude boys and rude girls outside the shop. And then, you know, it's just. It's so rich of these people as well. Like, you know, they come into your shop and they hurl abuse at you. Like, obviously, you know, the C word that. Yeah. (laughs) oh, you know, like to them, they'd be like, oh, get, get the F back to your country or like, you know, you don't belong here and all that kind of stuff. Like, so I, as I was saying, my sister got a lot of that, even from a very young age. And as a kid, like you just, you don't know how to defend yourself. It's mm. just not something that you're prepared for because as, as like third culture kids, like we obviously went to school in Britain. Yeah. So you have that aspect as well but also knowing that you are different mm-hmm. and then kind of never seeing that representation around you or not really having that social circle around you. It's mm-hmm. kind of like, how do you grow up with racism or like deal with these things when you've got no one that can relate to it yeah. either? Because your parents can relate to it, but also like, I don't know about you, but I, I was going to mention it. My, um, my parents are, I think it's a generational thing. They, they were always like, oh, just keep your head down and keep working and just like put your head down. It's fine. Just like ignore them, like, you know, shun them. But we were like, we had to live in like a society, yeah, UK society and grow up in it and, and, you know, really involve ourselves in it. So it was very difficult for us to just hide from it. I've had quite a lot of racism growing up. Um, and one one particular event kind of changed my whole sort of outlook on it, though. Um, when I was 18 years old on my 18th birthday, I had, you know, I was getting dolled up, you know, got for some friends, went out for a fancy meal. It wasn't actually that fancy, but when you're 18, it's really yeah. fancy. Um, and after that, the meal was so small that we ended up going to a chip shop to get some extra so yeah mm-hmm. um and um and I was stood in the chippy with my then boyfriend and um some like 40 something year old woman with her younger boyfriend like clearly drunk off of her face was like looking at me up and down then looking at my boyfriend was like oh um oh you chinky you and your chinky girlfriend and like you know, oh. and stuff like that and like and being 18 I was actually quite mature about it I was just like just don't start 
Mm -hmm. I was like, not today, like not tonight. And before you know it, she like launches herself at me and like starts really slapping me and like hitting me on the head and like scratching my arm and stuff. And like, I'd never like been physically attacked before until that point. And, you know, everything that was ever said to me, you know, even if I told my mom, she was of the generation, which I'll say on this podcast, but people who don't understand Chinese would probably be like, <laughs> um, but she, something her mom used to say to her was like, like, you know, if it's not itchy and it doesn't hurt, then like, you don't have to care so much about what they're saying about you. Um, but then that's one thing. And then to be attacked is another thing. Mm. Um, and then, yeah. And there was police sat outside having their chippy dinner. And they didn't do anything about it because they didn't. They didn't care. They were on. They didn't they do this, so they just. So, wait, hold on a second. So, <laughs> it was your eighteenth <laughs> birthday. Right, hold on. I need to picture this because this is really bad. So, because I'm actually really shocked. So, you were eighteen. Yeah. In Northern Ireland, are you with yeah. your boyfriend? Is your boyfriend white? Is he Chinese? He was white. He's a white boyfriend, yeah. and you went out for a dinner, and then. You went to a chippy afterwards and then there was this, I take it, another white lady and another white guy. Yeah. And then she called you, she called you a chinky. Yeah, she called you a chinky. And then she just completely attacked you and the police were outside having their chips and didn't do anything. No. So like my arm was bleeding and like the, you know, the chip shop manager was like, oh, get her, you know, get her, like trying to like wrestle her. And so what happened was her boyfriend wrestled her out of the chip shop and locked her in the car. And she was still like banging on the window being like, you know, get, get out of here. And like, I'm going to beat you to pulp. And like, you know, just like hurling abuse. And like, that was a game changer for me. Like, that was like a whole because no longer was it something that I could avoid, even mm-hmm. if I tried. No longer is it something that you can like passively say, oh, you know, it's just some other random on the street. You know, mm-hmm. I pay no mind to them. You'll never see them again. Let them be racist and ignorant. Um, because that's when, and you know, having said that, though, I feel like, you know, there's there's loads of reasons as to why, you know, violent attacks and hate crimes like this happen. Um, but yeah, it it was quite like a quite an intense situation that then kind of changed my outlook on like trying to be quite active about racism mm-hmm. and trying to be quite um, outspoken. Um, but yeah, that- oh, I'm so sorry that happened to you. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm so sorry. I've come on this podcast and I've just told everyone really traumatic. No, but you know what though, this is really important for us to talk about because. There's a lot of BBCs and other British Asians who had a similar upbringing as us, but it's only now that they're kind of talking up, they're speaking up about it, but they never did it when they were a child because I think for me, I didn't know how to speak about it and it never came up in conversation. And also maybe stupidly for me, I maybe just felt a bit embarrassed about it. Yeah, I think for we me, are like, yeah. need to be like feel ashamed, not ashamed, but like, yeah, it's just like you kind of don't talk. About, I think it's quite true to Chinese like culture as well. Like, I don't know about your family, but my parents just don't. They talk about very top line stuff. Yeah, and then like anything deeper, more emotional, they're like, no, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> um, it's so funny though. Like I think a, a lot of people have started to really come out about everything that's happened to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, when you're younger and also we lived in a generation when we were teenagers where there wasn't that much, well, I mean, there was internet, but like, it wasn't, it wasn't like this. This no. is like a whole Oh, yeah, I know exactly. I just remember like the dial-up codes and like waiting for my MSN to load and then like away. And then it would make that noise. It would go, keek, um, So anyway, so just to revive back a little bit. So when that happened to you on your 18th birthday, so the police... Mm-hmm. So the police didn't do anything. Um, the, the shop owners kind of intervened. What did your... Were your friends and boyfriend there as well? Were they... Yeah, what my did friends they do? Home, but my friends had gone home. It was just me and my boyfriend. He, bless him, I don't think he had ever seen anything quite like it. Being like a white boy in, you know, in Finnegan and like Northern Ireland, it, you know, he was just like this blew his mind. He was very empathetic, but there was almost nothing he could do. Mm. And and I don't blame a lot of people because they can't relate to this. Like they can't you know they can empathize and they can mm-hmm. sympathize and they can educate themselves but until you are physically you know abused whether it be verbally or physically for your race it's very hard to explain to someone what that feels like yeah and so for him he just sat there and he was just like what the hell just happened well, I was I think- always here but yeah he was just like okay let's go home and eat the chips now <laughs> Well, I think because you were such a young age and maybe, you know, in his point of view as well, he hadn't really been in that situation before. Yeah, you'd never seen anything. Yeah. Like, and I was his first Chinese girlfriend, you know, like I was probably his first non-white girlfriend. Yeah. And what did, um, what happened when you went home that night? Or did you tell, um, your, did you tell your parents what happened and your sister? Did they know? So do you know what? I don't actually know if I ever told them. Yeah. And I don't even know if I still have told them. Like, I wish I could, but also with my parents, like my my dad used to say some really awful stuff. Like, you know, the older generation as well sometimes is quite racist in a way yeah. because they they tackle racism with more racism. Like that's like their way of fighting back. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if I told my parents, they would just they would be mad, but also like it wouldn't help situations. It, mm. it wouldn't help them diffuse their dislike for um, Northern Irish people. Mm. Like they already, you know, had this kind of stuff come into the shop, but um, I think it would have just made it, it worse. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important for us when we are now talking about it to like be able to not counteract racism with more hatred and Mm. more racism and actually just be able to talk about it and not feel like oh like oh this white guy attacked me so all white people are bad that's kind of what my dad would be like um and it's yeah it's just so bizarre like when when um yeah when I haven't spoken about it for like hang on I can't do see this is how crap my mental (laughs) And how many years has it been? Twelve years. Oh, but yeah. But yeah. And did you tell your so you, so you didn't tell your, your your parents? You don't think you told your parents? What about your sister? Because um, 
and you know, I think me and my sister both dealt with a lot of racism, but I, and actually, yeah, funnily enough, one of the times when she was like six or something, she got her head bashed into a brick wall by some other kid in what like, she? yeah. And she had to shake their hand and apologize. Are you joking? Really? Yeah, That's like, so bad. Horrendous. And like, we share common ground, me and my sister, but we don't talk about it. It's just not something that we talk about either. I don't know. Do you talk about it with your... You know what? I was actually going to, going to talk about this. So um, short answer is no, we don't talk about it. Um, it's only because on my Chinese chippy girl Instagram page, my sister, she follows it. And then I wrote a post about a month ago with Georgie Ma. And it's just about name discrimination. And it's just about... When I graduated, um, I started applying for like loads and loads of jobs and I didn't hear anything back. Like it was, it's just so bizarre. Like not that I was expecting like tons of replies, but I just wasn't hearing anything, like nothing. Yeah. And you were like, and I was applying. For, yeah. And I was like, I was applying for like, I was even applying for like really, really small jobs that like not even related to marketing which is what my degree is in because I thought if if I could just get a foot through the door even working in a call center then it could be a step step up for me to yeah. gradually work into a marketing team or something but nobody's getting getting back to me and I said to my dad I went dad I'm, I've applied for about two to three hundred jobs and I haven't got a single response and my dad said oh it's because your surname's foreign because it's just ma so and then I just went oh shut up dad because like just like what your parents are saying like my dad just thinks you know like he probably just thinks you know that everyone's just against us Chinese people yeah, yeah, yeah. and and you know what after that I changed my CV and this is like way before LinkedIn where you had to actually posting your applications yeah. and maybe email them no no actually you, you could email them you know <laughs> I'm not that old yeah, um, <laughs> but I but I changed my CV and my name to Georgie Ma with M-A-R-R and yeah. after that everybody got back to me like, even yeah, if it was a response that. that even if the response wasn't um wasn't positive they still got back to me to say oh no you haven't been successful this time around but when I wrote that post, my sister then got back to me and then that was, that's basically the first time that we'd spoken about racism. And we speak about it a lot more now because what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to speak out more as well. And my sister, she's, uh, so my sister's very Chinese. She's, she's a lot more traditional Chinese than I am because she's married to, she's married into Chinese and they've got a Chinese restaurant and they have, you know, they have Chinese food every day, you know, and her Chinese, her Chinese is really good. You know, they've got a Chinese restaurant and everything. So she's really Chinese. She's a lot more Chinese culture than I am. I think she's learning to speak out more as well and to, uh, and she's she's a lot more aware of these yeah. you know of these racisms and it's and since then we have started speaking more about our childhood but I don't think but we we never have done before. My brother is a doctor, and yeah. I know your sister is also a doctor as well. We need to talk about this. <laughs> It's a hard life. <laughs> no, it's, you know what? It's like, thank God someone did it, you know. <laughs> uh, 
um my yeah I think it's so bizarre because it's kind of like it's just I mean I think all I think all um parents would somewhat agree but then also like a lot of Asian parents would relate as well that for them it's like either it's law or doctor or like working finance yeah all that kind of stuff um those are the jobs and you know I think I used to think that it was a a matter of like a reputational thing Mm -hmm. I guess it is partially that but but also I think I realized that it's just so that they don't have to worry so much about you I think that's the main thing is like Chinese parents worry a lot especially about the future and especially Mm -hmm. about their kids future because they obviously being you know um, having to work in this chip shop they I don't know about your parents, but my my parents were so adamant that they didn't want me to repeat what they did. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so then they wanted to make sure that like they were setting us up into the right direction to like get like a good job. And to them, a good job was, yeah, a doctor because the world always needs doctors. So that was like their <laughs> mentality. Um, yeah, it's so hard growing up with an, another, just like a witty sibling because you just are constantly compared to them like do do you feel a bit like you're the black sheep in the family I think you mentioned that in your first podcast yeah I think um I was I think I was just naturally um so the difference between you and I is that I'm a middle child so I suffer really badly with middle child syndrome like I'm just I just think life is just really unfair but (laughs) uh, but um I think I guess I never really got compared as much with my brother and I think maybe it's because he's a boy and I'm a girl I guess if I was a I think I guess if he was my little sister or or if I was a boy then we'd probably be compared a bit but I think it's when we go to Hong Kong for example and then my brother isn't there so just say if I go with my mum and we'll be sitting around you know a big table and then this bloody, the whole meal would be about my brother and his doctor, you know, and it's just like, they'd be like, oh, you know, how's he getting on? And, oh, so good, he's a doctor. Oh, he's saving You're sat right eyes. there. And I'm sat right there and I'm sat right there and I'm like, do you not want to ask me how I'm getting on? But the thing is, I think, you know, I don't really do myself any favours because cause I work in marketing. I don't, want, I don't know what marketing is in Chinese. So I would say, so they, they ask me what I do and I go, oh, I work in Gong uh, which is that advertising. But advertising and marketing is two separate things. It's, it's different, but it's, it's the closest thing to marketing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what you would call it, Gongo or like, I don't know. My vocab is terrible. Oh, mine's really bad as well. Oh, so I didn't ask you what you do. (laughs) I do know what you do. Epic fail. So for the listeners, do you want to tell, um, do you want to tell people what you do? Yeah. I mean, I probably should have brought that up at some point, didn't I? Hi everyone. Hi again. Nice to meet you all. No, um, I am actually currently a jewelry designer. So I work for a commercial jewelry brand um, and we sell into the high street. So like Topshop and John Lewis and stuff. Um, and yeah, so I went through the route of, I went to our college. Well, I battled it out with my parents and I think they kind of had it in their head because I would focus all of my energy on art and they wouldn't see me for the rest of the time. Um, <laughs> and they, I think they knew it was coming. So I think my mom was putting aside some like university money. 
Um, but I did actually do a year of anatomy before I went on. Well, I hated that and screwed it up miserably. And then um, my mom was like, fine, you know what? If you're going to go to art college, I'd rather you go to a good one. So she sent me off to Edinburgh. Edinburgh is beautiful. Though. I love it. So beautiful. Um, and I had such a good time, you know, I like, and, and this is where my sister differed. She actually stayed at home while she was studying. So she never got that kind of like uni life. Whilst I was very lucky. I, I had that all drunk, like crazy hell bent. So, so does that mean your sister had to, does she had to work in a chippy? So yeah, like I'm hoping oh. she's going to listen to this podcast. Oh. Like, might be like, oh, finally someone's going to talk about me. <laughs> no, no. Um, she, yeah, bless her soul. She was studying in um, Queen's University, Belfast, um, as a medical student. And she was pretty much like, I think it wasn't until like second, third year or something of her medical degree that she said to my mom, like, look, I can't, I can't do this. Like, you know, and I think that's what that's what's crazy about working in takeaway as a kid is that my parents wanted us to be like so high achieving academically mm. as well as working. So it was just mad, like this whole idea that my sister spent so long in like working, you know, weekends and then going to uni. Like mm-hmm. that's meant to, that's a lot. That's a lot of work. And and so I'm I always like I'm always like mom dad count your blessings you know you've got a doctor in the family that's pretty good going um and yeah so anyway she was um, a doctor and I'm a jeweler um <laughs> and I always have this joke and for people who do understand like Cantonese slang I guess um I'm like ama leo han fuk the like leo go doka <laughs> is like a female pig right so, <laughs> like, oh yeah 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 your Cantonese like, is so good <laughs> um yeah that's all that tvb drama stuff that I watched but um yeah so I'm a jewelry designer and I've been working in London for about seven eight years now I think mm-hmm. probably about eight now um but yeah you know obviously we're in the middle of a pandemic and you know fortunately I was furloughed and um and in my time I thought you know I'm never going to get this opportunity again I decided to start drawing again which is something that I always love to do and um you know even my graduation work and all of my uni work was it was heavily focused on like my parents takeaway um so it was just a really, a, a really nice to like reconnect with that again because mm-hmm. I almost ignored it for eight years because of like paying bills, basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and not that I don't love jewelry, but it's just not my true passion, shall we say? Mm. But yeah, but I was just so. Oh, I love your page. Um, there's a <laughs> few things. There's a few things which I really love. Some some of my favourites. I'll read it out to you. And to the listeners <laughs> as well. Like for listeners as well. So your Instagram page is chopstick and poke with the, with the underscore in between them. And not in any order, but some of my favourites is the fruit basket that you did on 7th of August. And I really, I really relate to this. When I think of Hong Kong, I think of all the food markets and all the fruit markets. And I used to go to all the... Um, Near my Gong Agong's house in Hormantin in Kowloon, mm. we used to go to, I used to get all like the fresh mangoes from the fruit store. And the way how you drew it was just like that particular fruit market that I used to go to. Little red lamps. 
the red lamb. Oh, the red lamb. Little older lady just in the back, like wrapping her fruit. Yeah, like, sitting on a sitting on a um, on a, like a red little stool that every yeah, Chinese plastic. house has on. Yeah, yeah, really plastic stools and those fold out tables. Yeah, like, just like yeah, there's so there's it's so it's so interesting because those memories are so vivid. Like, I mean, I went back a lot when I was a kid, but actually in recent years, I haven't been to Hong Kong Mm -hmm. as frequent as I used to, but yeah, I just love all these things. And it's actually like Hong Kong was really like colorful. Like as a kid, like walking around in those markets, everything was loud and colorful and so much going on. Mm -hmm. And it was so intense, that whole memory that like, and also I was, I've done another one as well, which, you know just a nice little plug in for everyone but um the one about like um Chinese like parents and grandparents like peeling fruit for their kids like after dinner yes it's kind of like a thing that like it's like this love language Mm -hmm. where um either your um like your Paul or someone would like make sure that you've had at least one fruit like after finished dinner um and I used to marvel at how like my my mom or my granny would peel an apple like you know with a knife and just like this whole ribbon of like skin would come off perfectly intact like on the table and it's just all these like little things and what's really nice actually is that a couple of people have contacted me about you know the memories that that drawing brings back Mm -hmm. um and actually you know they're not their heritage is different from mine but they're mm-hmm. you know they're like indian you know british born indian or um yeah like singaporean or you know whatever it may mm-hmm. be a lot of asian countries can relate to this kind of way of like affection because you mm-hmm. know as we said like chinese parents don't talk a lot about right. emotions yeah. but they they show it through like things like this like little through food yeah food mainly food food. yeah (laughs) but it's really I think it's really powerful how your illustrations have really helped connect us British Asians and I'm saying British Asians because it's not just British Chinese as you said it's like Mm. a whole continent you know of yeah a whole continent of British Asians Mm. um food culture is huge you know it's massive yeah yeah, so big everyone has such um like sentiment towards like sentiment that's a really good word um the other one which I really like and the one which I really need to hang up it's just sitting there I'm just looking at it just now (laughs) still still folded in the um in the cardboard that you that you put it in is it tatantan so basically like a a greasy a Chinese greasy spoons basically like yeah and I really and I really love that because that that automatically reminds me of my time in Hong Kong since I was a kid so I didn't go to Hong Kong every year like you did we went um we went probably once every four years <laughs> but whenever we went we'd spend two months there oh wow yeah I would we'd spend that. about we'd, we'd spend about six to six to eight weeks in Hong Kong so we'd close the chippy and would would go to Hong Kong for mm-hmm. like that length of time and and I think I remember just having Jump in these um mm-hmm. ta and also down yeah, and stuff yeah mm-hmm. so nice so that one um so for this for the uh listeners out there it's um uh, that post was posted on the 29th of april so you've got to check it out it's really lovely <laughs> surprisingly that actually has been my most popular like um purchased print anyway um and yeah it's by all manner of people though all walks of life 
like you know even Australians and stuff that have been to Hong Kong mm-hmm. it's like such an iconic thing um that they 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 just love it because it's this the whole mood isn't it yeah. it's like the that it gets like you need to get more printed I, I know I know I've got, I've got a fair coming up yes tell us about your fair <laughs> yeah so um it's actually a, D- a DIY art market it happens quite a lot in London since um but since lockdown obviously hasn't um but it's coming back in and it'll be the 5th of September I think it's a Saturday and it's going to be in Copeland Park in Peckham and yeah I'm just going to be selling some prints it's my first one so I'm going to take it quite easy but yeah I'm focusing on that at the minute so that's why my prints are a little bit like non-existent on my web page at the minute because <laughs> I'm just like reserving my energy for this one thing. I've seen I've seen on Instagram that you've been um uh, you've been hand hand drawing the um the tote bags yeah so I just I, I think that must take you ages <laughs> I think yeah my friend was saying that and my boyfriend was like you're crazy like what are you doing <laughs> but it's also because I I love I love drawing um and I love making things like I, I quite like non-committal like you know, it doesn't have to be for anything. It doesn't have to be for any mm-hmm. particular reason. I like things to be quite unique. So I'm doing like one of a kind hand-drawn tote bags, machine washable, but um, they are hand-drawn. And it's just nice because I feel like sometimes people don't want to see like the same product in different mm-hmm. colors, like over and over again. They want to see like, you know, that you actually put a lot of care into something. Mm. So yeah, I just didn't, I, I, and also, I just wanted to make myself happy. <laughs> and if no one bought them, I'm like, whatever. <laughs> well, you know what? I reckon lots of people will be keen up for them because it's so, honestly, it's so good. I've noticed on Instagram, you've also been tattooing yourself as well. Yes. So Can I you have. show me? Where are they? I've got a little magic tiles here. Oh, magic. Can you play magic? Oh, so only recently I've picked it up. Like my parents are not gambling kind of types of people. And like they didn't have many friends in Northern Ireland either. So we didn't really play magic. But I love it now. And I play with my parents, not with money, but just like such a cool, fun game. Like, do you play? Um, I used to play a little bit when I was a kid. I think my mum taught me. Um, so my mum used to play magic just like whenever she was free, just with, you know, a group of girls. Uh, or group of women should I say and uh yeah it's just like so much fun but it's it's a very tactical game like you have to yeah. think about your own little you know your own little pieces and you've got to um you've got to see what other people are picking up and then I just remember there's a bit where you go pong yeah pong gong <laughs> before we wrap up um, I did this in my last podcast with Fiv and I thought this was quite, um, this is quite good fun. So I'm going to say two phrases to you or two words oh. and you have to, you have to tell me what you're, what you lean more towards. Okay. So, oh, okay. so I have to pick between the two. Yeah. You have to pick okay. between okay. the two. Okay. So Doritos or prawn crackers? Prawn crackers. Yeah, oh, definitely. Um, Chinese tea or English tea? Oh, English tea. Really? Yeah, I'm pretty bad. I'm a sucker for tea. Do you take, do you put sugar in your tea as well? Yeah, I'm like a sugary, strong builder's tea. How many sugars do you put in? Only the one. Okay, that's all right. That's not bad. That's all right. Yeah. (laughs) Um, 
Chinese calligraphy or English calligraphy? Oh, Chinese. Yeah. Oh, just more beautiful. No offense, guys. But yeah, so much more beautiful. By the way, can you can you read and write Chinese? Because I've seen your illustrations. You write it so so well. Google. Google, man. Google. Google. <laughs> no. Yeah, I can't read or write Chinese. Um, Chinese. I can speak Cantonese quite well, but that's just down to like watching loads of Chinese TV. Your but, your Cantonese is really good, I've noticed. Yeah. Um, ta Tan or a greasy spoon? Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah, like such a weird... Actually, when you describe the food to people, they're like, that sounds gross. Like macaroni and broth, they're like, oh, what? <laughs> you're, like, you're like, whatever, man, it's delicious. <laughs> um, and Ken Hom or Jamie Oliver? Oh, oh, Ken Hom. Jamie, I don't like Jamie Oliver, so I'm like quite... Do happy. you not? Not really. Um, no, I'm sure he's like, he is a good cook. Like, don't get me wrong. Um, but I'm just like, yeah, I'm just not that into his like cooking. I don't know. I just feel like could be better. Like, <laughs> Ken Hom is cute too. Um, Ken Hom's so cute. You know what? Um, I, last year, I entered a competition with uh, Lee Gamgay or Lee Kum Ki. Is that how you, I don't know how you pronounce it in okay, English. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, but in Chinese, I don't know how to say it. Um, yeah. And they did a competition where you could win an exclusive masterclass with Ken Hom. So I entered thinking, I'm just going to enter. And I am like a massive diehard fan of Ken Hom. I think my dad looks like him. And uh, and I remember when I was a kid, I used to watch Ken Hom's cooking show. And my dad would like, oh, you are, that's me on TV. I'm like, oh my God, dad, you're on TV. But it's just, it's really like Ken Hom. But um, so anyway, so like Gamgate, they messaged me, says, "Oh, congratulations, you've, you've won a master, you know, a masterclass with Ken Hom." Mm-hmm. So there's, so I got to, uh, I got to the the workshop, I guess, and I saw Ken Hom, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is just like my 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 dreams and wishes come true." Yeah, I got pictures yeah. and everything, and then at the time, my little girl, she was about uh three four months old but she wasn't with me during the masterclass. but she came at the end with my partner Ewan and uh and Ken Hom held Sadie and then he said to me which basically means your your daughter is so cute and I went oh my god coming from Ken Hom honestly your daughter has been blessed by the hands of Ken Hom thank you The best place to find me is on my Instagram at um, chopstick and poke. But yeah, there's underscores between each, which is kind of a bit um, awkward. But we'll put it in the we'll put it in the details. You know, we'll the put it. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's the best place to find me, and I feel like that probably is what I want people to see as well. Like that is what I represent. I think on this podcast, and also like you know, just. I think generally that's just what I want people to see. Yeah. <laughs> I think you've got like a really good bunch of followers. I've been reading your comments as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because I go on your page like every single day, just oh, looking at all your... Oh, God, um... I had the, the pressure. I need new content. <laughs> but I, do, I do actually visit your page whenever I go into uh, Instagram and I just like love all your illustrations. I know we said this about 10 
billion times, but I am literally like your <laughs> biggest fan, turning into an obsessive girl crush. Um, but I just wanted to thank you so much for taking the time just to speak to us, really, and be my guest. And also, oh my God, I didn't actually say this. Wait, hold on. This is really big news. So my Chinese chippy girl illustration on my Instagram, <laughs> it was illustrated by you. I forgot to tell you all this. I should have started that off. I've had so many compliments uh, on the illustration and everyone's like oh wow Georgie it really looks like you and even just the smallest detail like the mango the mango carton and having a bottle of rice and the chopsticks and the fish yeah, and chips and the walk and everything it's just sums up my life like 100% so thank you so much for doing that well no thank you for thank you for one letting me do it and then let me on your podcast and running wild in your podcast <laughs> like I think that's that's pretty good trade thanks Georgie thanks for coming on to my show it's been so lovely to speak to you and um yeah and listen um thank you so much for your illustrations a lot of British Asians can connect with the Chinese heritage or the Asian heritage and um yeah and I hope to see you at your art fair on the 5th of September in Peckham thank you very much (laughs) an absolute pleasure okay (laughs) right I'm gonna go now Okay, Bye. Yes, let's go and plan ourselves off. Bye. Bye. Ah, so from one Georgie to another, uh, thank you so much, Georgie Learn, aka Chopstick and Poke. And what an absolute babe you are. She's got such a lovely accent as well. Um, but yes, Georgie, thank you so much for sharing your story. For everyone else, you can follow her on Chopstick and Poke. I will share her Instagram handle in my show notes as well. And if you're in London, please go and visit her at the DIY Art Market in Copeland Park in Peckham on Saturday 5th of September between 11 and 6. And go and check it out and say hello to her. Please don't forget to subscribe to my podcast so you'll get a notification to let you know when my next episode is out, which I have an absolutely special guest for episode four, which I can't reveal just yet. But if you follow me on Instagram and if you subscribe to my podcast, then you'll be basically the first to know. Um, also, I'm a little bit scared to publish this podcast as I'm conscious my mum will stop listening to it as I feel like I've just banged on about the chippy days. But for me, I just feel like the Chippy Days is like super relevant. Not that many people talk about it. And I feel like a lot of people do connect with it as well. But if you have any feedback, please do let me know on Instagram. You can message me there on Chinese Chippy Girl, or you can drop me an email on Chinese Chippy Girl at gmail.com. Right. Okay. So I'm absolutely starving. So I'm actually going to go and uh, bowl fan, which means cook the rice. So yeah. Anyway, thank you so much for tuning in to episode three. Hope to see you next time in episode four. Thank you. Bye.